Would you also read with me over in the book of Galatians, chapter number 6, one verse, verse number 15. Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. For in Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, here's the phrase, but a new creature. Creation is a powerful thing. God uses it to show us about the powers of God. And when you think about what He has created, you know, we, we are absolutely mesmerized by things that happen. One of the great things that happens is, many of you know about that caterpillar that wraps itself up. Before long, through this pupa, comes this adult monarch butterfly. It's interesting, this thing starts to come out and it's just been changing over these weeks and all of a sudden out comes something that is absolutely full of color and beauty. The scientific term for that is metamorphosis. In verse number 2 of Romans chapter 12, in verse number 2, he uses the word transformed by the renewing of the mind. That word transformed is where we get our word metamorphosis. Now some of you have known that since way back. But that might be new for some of you in the room here. And God is talking about something that changes. And as you and I begin to look at our life we can see the stages, it didn't happen overnight, but the stages that began to happen inside of our lives, how God was miraculously changing us from this to this to this. And by the way, we're supposed to become more beautiful as we get closer to that adulthood to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. In this text, we learned last week about some important things of what God wants us to do in this area of God begging us to change, and that is that we will become that living sacrifice. And so we are to look at the mercies of God. We saw some of those, and that God wants us now to be a sacrifice. Thought is dead, and yet we're alive. To become alive for Christ, resurrected life, we become holy acceptable unto God, and that's the basics, the, the foundations that we should be doing for Him. And now in verse number 2, we pick up today. He tells us that we are not to be conformed to this world, but be transformed, there's your word, by the renewing of your mind. Now, what in the world does it mean, don't be conformed to this world? Well, we talked about it briefly last week, where some people feel that means we change what we wear, uh, we change an outward appearance, and then God has to accept us, and that that's the opposite then of, of worldliness. You know, we'll get rid of this, we'll get rid of this, we'll implement this, and we look at the physical for the transformation. But you'll see, even in this verse, God is not talking about an outward, He's talking about something happens within. It's a renewing of not the body. It is a renewing of what? The mind. So we got to change this. Okay? And that's why we've taken the time to talk about the mind. 
and we deal with the joy in Philippians. We deal with the way we think. We're not to be anxious. We're to be instead prayerful instead of careful. And we're dealing with inside here something that has to start changing for you and I, especially as Christians. You say, how does this all take place? Well, this, this renewal, if you will, is a stage. And it starts out with the word new. We first of all have a new birth. John chapter number 3. Without the new birth, nothing else can follow suit. There has to be a new birth that happens inside of you that you are born again. You say, how is a person born again? This is all new language. I remember the first guy that witnessed to, to me, and, and I remember him using words, and I think he used this phrase, and I think he used the word regeneration to me. This is the first time, you know, I didn't go to church. I mean, I'm like new to all this stuff. And, and he says to me, after he's done praying with his, his, for his meal at, at lunchtime, he, I was an electrician at the time, and he says to me, looks at me and says, have you ever been born again, regenerated by the Holy Spirit? And I went, I don't think so. <laughs> Sounds contagious, you know. This is like, ah, I don't know if I even want that. What is that, you know? And it's all new to me. And if it makes no sense, then it's not going to make sense to you. We can throw these terms out. But what does that mean? Here's what happens. When we recognize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sin and that he rose again to conquer sin and that if we receive Christ into our heart, we believe that he personally died for my sin, he will come into me through his spirit and, and live inside of me and I am a brand new person. I am now born again. And what that means is this. Uh, Frank and Francis Henry fell in love, and started having children, and I'm number four. I'm the baby. I'm spoiled, you know? So I was born, and, and all of a sudden, I took on from my parents as, as those physical things that they had. Uh, that's why I'm bald. That's my mom's side. Pew! All of them. I mean, the guys were all bald starting at 18 and following, you know. And then my dad's side had certain traits, and I'm seeing the facial things, and, and I can see pictures of me now that my wife will take, and I'm like, I'm looking more and more like my daddy the older I get. And that's what we're talking about. When we are born again, we received, literally, the word regeneration literally means to regene. It means to change you. And remember, when I, got, when I was born the first time physically, it is something that my mom and dad, through their love, produced me. And when I, am, when I receive Christ as my Savior, that is the choice. But God does the actual changing, the regening. He makes me holy. He makes me, as we talked about, pure and justified and all those things. And what He does in John chapter 1, He takes me from, as was quoted in John 8, the, the devil's family, and he places me into God's family. And that's how I'm born again. So God says, okay, guess what? I'm going to give you life because you received life through Jesus Christ. So now I am regenerated, made new. I am, as we see, a new creation. And it's not done by an outward thing like circumcision. That's what Galatians is trying to say. It's not something you do, but it's a new creation. It's regeneration, which is the new birth. 
So once I have Christ inside of me, I now have the power to be able to become and to mature. By the way, God wasn't done with me when I was 19 years old. That was just the beginning. That was my birth date. Second, if you will, birth date. And now through all these years, I have been growing and maturing. It's interesting, when I was first saved, I really started to change fast. In fact, my sister watching me, she's like, man, hold on here, Carl. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is like really, really, really fast, the things that you're getting involved with. And it scares me now that I look back at me because I took my first pastorate and I was eight years old as a Christian. Okay? I got saved at 19 and I was in the first pastorate at 27. I don't know if I would have ordained me and put me into that situation. You follow me? That was like really, really, really fast. And, and everybody grows, though, at a different pace, don't we? But, but I, I started to take God's Word serious, and that was the beginning of it. I began to memorize verses, and I began to obey what God was telling me to do, and I tried to witness to people, and, and the list goes on. And so, to this day, God is still, still changing me. But folks, listen, what we're going to is this metamorphosis, this beginning to transform, to change and it is as though that monarch butterfly is the image of Christ, perfect and beautiful. And that's where we are heading towards the maturity, the adult stages. And the older we get, the more we're supposed to look like Jesus Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you can't, as a, as a new child of God, I'm not saying that it's impossible for you to do things, sir. Man, Paul, man, he got into business really, really quick. And we'll, we'll read some of those verses later on. And so God is trying to tell you and I that there is a slow, methodical way that God begins to mature you and I. Now listen, it's not going to be apart from His will. It is not going to be apart from His Word. It's not going to be apart from prayer. It's not going to be apart from persecutions. It's not going to be apart from these tribulations and hardships that we go through. We're going to go through trials. That's part of... God making us more like Jesus Christ. See, these hardships, as we saw, drives us to prayer. Drives us to be more like Christ. And that way we can fellowship with Christ through sufferings that we will be able to experience the resurrected life. All of this is this what God is doing inside of each and every one of us to make us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the Romans 8, 28, 29 principles that we know all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are the called according to, whom, uh, to His purpose. And then he gets into that, to whom He did foreknow. He also did predestinate or predetermine this one thing. That we will be conformed to the image of His Son. God has laid out this plan for you and I. That when we are maturing, we become more like Christ, not more like Carl. Okay? Not more like your parents' kids. Not more like, but you have a vision, the silhouette, if you will, of Jesus Christ, and you are seeing that, and then what you're trying to do is you get into that shadow, and you're trying to say, I want to look like Christ. That If you see me, you're going to see the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's when we can start saying, follow me, because I'm following Christ. This year, developing Christians for Christ is what we are about this year. Trying to get you and I maturing. That's why I wish... Remember, I was talking to an old friend of mine. 
that uh, he was one of my mentors as a young Christian. I was just with him uh, when we were back in Pennsylvania. I had some good time with him, grabbing a donut and coffee and just talking about some good old days. And as we were going through that, uh, George Harpster is the, the man's name. He was, he was the one that I, I hung out with. As a matter of fact, there was a couple of times my wife, didn't, I forgot to tell her where I was at. As a matter of fact, the one night, she called the preacher. <laughs> she didn't know where I was at. George, he knew where I was at. He went to George's house. Carl, call your wife. <laughs> we were there talking about the scriptures, and we lost all track of time. And it's because we, we got lost in it. We're praying, and we're in the Word together. And we said one day, wouldn't it have been awesome if somebody would have had discipleship for us when we first got saved? Because that's how we did it. We didn't have a, a set-down way of, of going through it. We just sat down, went through the Scriptures, and you know, worked with each other in the Scriptures. And, and, and that's, that's what it's about. We have that here. And we are trying to make it as simple as, as we can for you to take the Word, to get into the mind, to memorize it, so that you can understand how to live. And ultimately where we're heading to is that you may be able to understand fully test what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. That's why, this, that's why you got to get this mind. That's why this transforming is happening. It's not for you to say, well, I've arrived. No, there is something that God has for you, which is His good, acceptable, and perfect will that He has for you right now to be, to be developing into. So we have the doom birth, and then we have the new mind, and once we have this new mind, we're going to have a new man. Okay? So that's how it works. We get the new birth, we get Christ in us, and all of a sudden he's able to start changing the mind, transforming the mind, and then the result is a new man. Let's look at some of those verses. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. You can see the same in Colossians. It's just powerful to see what God has for us. And by the way, I'm not going to make a lot of remarks about this text. I want to read it. I'm going to mention a couple words to, to show us. But if you were to stop and say, okay, we're, we're talking about that image of Christ, and I want to head towards that mark, well, what does it look like? You know, if, if I were to say, okay, I want to be like Christ, well, what does that mean? This is a kind of text that teaches on that. Ephesians 4. Verse 22. He says that you put off concerning the former lifestyle or conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts or wrong desires. I was talking to a person not long ago, and as I was talking to this unsaved guy, he was having a great time talking about how he deceived people. And the deception to the lost world is like, I won. If I can deceive you, that makes me smarter than you, doesn't it? If I can trick you into taking your money, and you lose, and you can't feed your family, I don't care. That's deception. Wrong desires, taking. And by the way, that is, as was quoted wonderfully by Stan, that is Satan's department. He deceives. And he thinks he's really smart because he can deceive people. Okay? And so he, God's saying, listen, that's what the old man does. That's not what Christians do. Okay? We're not about trying to deceive one another. 
We're not, tr- we're, we're not trying to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, stealth, trying to come in and, and ultimately trying to take something or do something. Matter of fact, that was one of the accusations. Uh, yeah, I'm getting sidetracked, but this is, this is important. That's what the accusation against Apostle Paul was in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. They were saying to the church, they being the enemies, that the only thing Paul was about was taking their money. And he says, guys, he, sa- he raised to the church and says, you know that I did not come in with a cloak of covetousness. In other words, I worked and I took money from Philippi and other areas to preach the gospel to you. And I actually messed up a blessing to you by not allowing you to take care of me while I preached the gospel to you. So you can't say I was in it for your money. And he says, you've got to understand this. And there's going to be all these accusations of why people are motivated to do what they are motivated to do. Well, that's what the world does. You know, I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not going to speak evil of dignitaries. But folks, you know much of what goes on is very corrupt. They don't care about us. This is, this is the system of the world. This is the old man. And as much as they can take from you for self, God says that's lusts, wrong desires. And we have to be careful that we don't apply that to our prayer life. You have not because you ask not, and you ask and receive not because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your own lusts. So we as Christians, we don't even go to God saying, God, gimme, gimme. We have to have the right motives. Okay? I, didn't, I said I wasn't going to get sidetracked. I humbly apologize. Verse 24. Now, we saw put off, verse 22. Now, verse 24, and put on the new man. So now, we saw what the old man was. Let's put on the new. Now, what is the new man? Verse 24, middle of it. Which, after God, is created. Man cannot create. God creates. When it says, in the beginning, God created, man cannot take something, uh, make something from nothing. That's what creation is. It's a miracle. So this new man is something miraculously that happens by God once you are saved, once you have trusted Christ. And he says that it is in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, verse 25, if we're going to put on the new man, what's the new man look like? Verse 25, putting away lying. Don't lie. You say Christians shouldn't lie. I've been lied to all the time by Christians. Okay? I did not sleep with that woman. I did not have sex with that woman. I heard that so many times. Really? No, I, honestly, I did not do it. And then a month later, they come in back into the office and say, by the way, she might be pregnant. <laughs> Obviously, what did you do last month then when you said, I do not have sex with that woman? Okay, pardon me. Yeah. Uh, and so, guess what? They lied to me. Okay? Christian, we're not supposed to lie. Okay? Speak every man truth with his neighbor. Why? Because we are members one of another. We, we have to be in heaven together, folks, someday. That's a scary thought. 
Because oftentimes we see Christians and they can't get along. They can't work through situations. And God is saying, if we just say the truth, and we, of course, love one another, and in verse 26, stop being angry, be angry, don't sin through that anger, don't allow the sun to go down upon your wrath. Now notice verse 27, don't give place to the devil. Guess what Satan wants to do? Satan wants to divide through putting off the new man and putting back on the old man and lying and deceiving and trying to get your own way and fighting and taking and angry and I'm never going to talk to that person again. And all this screaming, all of a sudden devil says, thank you. This is great work, church. This is exactly where I want you to be. Hate each other. Don't talk to each other. Because Jesus says, by this, they will know that they are my true disciples. And that is what? Five, ten maybe knew it. Okay. What it says is, by love for one another, the world is going to understand that we are the disciples of Christ. So the opposite of that is this. That if we hate each other, won't talk to each other, then guess what the world is going to say? Man, that's weird. I'm not going to go there. And then, hence, they don't even want to follow the Lord themselves. <laughs> this cracks me up, folks. You know, life is not that hard. Verse 28, Let him that stole, literally taking from another, steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his own hands that which is good, Instead of tearing down, you're building up that he may have to give to them that, are, that need. So if you're going to look like Jesus, you're going to be a giver, not a taker. You're not going to steal anymore, but instead you're going to give. So let no co com corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You're not tearing down, but that which is good to the use of edifying, building up that it may minister grace of the hearers. So all of a sudden, by the time you're done talking to that person, they're thinking, man, am I glad I talked to that person. I feel so much better now. I am so encouraged. Are you an encourager? Do you help people? Or when they're done talking to you, they're feeling more out. Grieve not the Spirit of God. So it's possible when we have corrupt communication, we don't forgive, we don't get along, we're angry, we're just going through life, you're living in the flesh, and you are grieving the very Spirit of God that is living inside of you, and you're wondering why your prayers aren't answered. And you're wondering why nothing's going right. Remember, when we go to prayer, it is as much God changing our mind. God opening to us, man, I need to get my personal heart, not... God, get them. <laughs> you know, make them right. Get them to see it my way. That's not prayer. Whereby you are sealed in the day of redemption. Verse 31. Let all bitterness. You know what bitterness, it, where it starts, is, it's inside here. You know, and all of a sudden, it's just like this bitterness. He says it's wrath, it's anger, and clamor, it's outcries. If, if you go to other people talking about a person over here, you're in sin. You say, this is not comforting to me today. I, I'm not here to comfort you. I'm helping us as a church to be what we need to be, and that is to be like Christ, not like the flesh. If, if, listen, we have that at work. 
You had to put, the, put up with this at factories and everywhere else and at school. You know, backbiting. Ooh, let me tell you on this person. It's like, grow up. That's what little kids do. Junior high kids do. Let me tell you. Do you know what happened? And I usually say, no, and I don't want to. When they come across that way, ah, don't you think we're as guilty by listening as it is to them telling? Okay. Then the word malice means ill will, to desire injury. I hope they get a flat tire right by a mud puddle. That I can hit the mud puddle, splash them while they're changing their flat tire. I hope the worst for them. I hope he gets them. You know, give me a break. Instead, here's a great idea. Verse 32. How about be kind one to another? What a great idea. You mean I'm supposed to be kind to people that, that are mean and nasty to me? You're starting to get just a glimpse of it today. Sorry I'm a little sarcastic. But sometimes you... You just got to let people know how babyish adults can be. Grow up. How about Romans 12 principle? That we overcome evil by doing more evil to them? Some of you knew that that's not how that verse goes. Am I showing, am I showing you something here today? Okay, we overcome evil by doing good. Now, if you didn't know that, that's why. Now, follow me. This is where we're heading to today. For us to metamorphosis, if we are going to change to be more like Christ, then what we have to do is get the Word into the mind to know what Christ looks like. And we are never going to be in that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. We won't even test it to know what it is if we don't know in our mind what it is. So all of a sudden, we start applying the Word so that we are in that good will of God. And you say, you mean I can't hate my brother and be in God's will? You got it! You get an A plus for the day. You mean, you mean my prayers aren't going to be answered and God's not going to listen if I hate my brother? You're getting warmer. That's not Christ-like. We bless them. We love our enemies. You say, but you don't know what they did to me. It can't be compared to what they did to Jesus. And if they did this to Jesus and he did not retaliate with his mouth, why do we? I'm not saying we don't defend. Paul did that. I gave you verses to prove. Listen, this was not my motive. This is what I did. This is why I did what I did. I'm not talking about that. So be kind one to another. Tender-hearted. Forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. That's Christ-like. There's the silhouette. There's the image of what a Christian Christ follower would even look like. <clears throat> so, when we, let's go back to Romans 12. When we begin to have this renewed mind, it's because we have a new birth, we have a new mind, and then we have a new man, a renovated man that begins to look like Jesus. And we know the principle in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if any man 
be in Christ. He is a new creature, new creation, and that old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become what? New. So God likes the word new. So do I. We like something to change, to be, to be uh, going towards the mark. So it is not a conformity to the world, but instead a changing, a renewing of the mind. We begin to start thinking different. That the knowledge of the Word of God begins to give the knowledge of His will. And we want to be in His will. Now this is the question I have so many people ask me about. And a lot of ministers talk about this. How do I know what the will of God is for me? That's a tough one, isn't it? Okay, so here you are. You know, let's imagine it's just you and me in a room. And you are saying to me, how do I find out God's will for me? We're going to answer that today for you. Okay? You say, well, mine might be different than my wife or my children's or this person I'm beside. Oh, no, 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 no. That's, that's the whole thing. We get to prove it. We get to test it. You get to know it. You say, you mean I can actually know what God's will is? Yeah. Now, here's where we get into the issue. You say, Pastor Carl, when you moved to Northside, you couldn't find a Bible verse that says, Thou shalt pastor at Northside Baptist Church. I absolutely agree with you. But you say, did you know that this was the will of God for you? Mm-hmm. Yep. We had to pray a lot about this. Prayer and prayed and prayed and prayed. Uh, there was another church that called me the exact same day that Northside did. Y'all called me, Stan called me about 8.30 in the morning, got me out of bed. I was just coming back from Haiti, by the way. That's why I was still sleeping. And so he woke me up. And then that night, another church called me, Grove City, in and, and Pennsylvania, right to the Ohio border. And so I said to the folks at Grove City, I'm not, not going to come there right now. I said, uh, I got another call from another church this morning, and I'm not going to confuse my brain. It's too simple to take two churches and to try to evaluate, and I, my judgment could be bad. And so I uh, will look at them one at a time. And that's how I did it. And so, sure enough, uh, we prayed about it. And we looked at what God's will was for us. And we came here. And it wasn't based on your constitution. Okay? It wasn't, wasn't based on that. It was, it was based on what you believed. It was based on doctrine. And can I fellowship with this place? Now, folks... How many of you were here the first Sunday that, that the Henrys came? You need to look around here, okay? So, so here are the hands of the folks that were here the first Sunday when, when the Henrys came. Do you think that there has been a metamorphosis that's happened at this church? I hope you all think that there's been some change going on around here. And I hope that you can see that we are heading towards not what Carl looks like, not what Lori looks like, but what Jesus Christ looks like. That's where we're taking you to. Now, by me showing you Christ, some of you aren't going to like it. Because it hurts. It means change. It means habit change. It means everything. And we don't always like that change. But when we are there, boy, are we glad that we got there. 
Tom Landry was asked the question as the great coach of the Cowboys, how is it that you got your men ready to experience the win of the Super Bowl? And he said, pretty close, quote unquote, making these men do something they did not want to do to achieve that which they wanted to achieve. We don't like exercise. We don't like sweating and working out. But when the pants fit, fit a little better, we like it. You know what I mean? We don't like the working out. We don't like the dieting. So we take a pill to have it all happen nowadays. It, it, it just doesn't work. It, it's by cutting back and working out. And it's amazing how it works. And we know what we want to have happen. But boy, we don't like getting there. Guess what? Does anybody here not want to be Christ-like? I like to talk to you after the service about salvation. I mean, we as a Christian say, this, Christ is what we want to become. This is our aim. This is our goal. Well, guess what? That means you have to die to self, 12-1, to live the resurrected life, to be empowered, then to start changing that which you don't want to change. It's fun getting angry. It's fun telling people off. I gave them my mind. And then afterward, you get it done, and right away, spirit goes, ding, ding, that was dumb. Boy, you just broke a relationship. If that person wasn't saved, how are you ever going to witness to them about Christ now? Oh, I forgot about that one. You mean they might die and go to hell because I can't control myself? Yeah. Happens all the time. Christ didn't burn bridges. He made them. Trying to bridge the world. We're going to be Christ-like. We're going to reach them. Boy, time goes. We've got, we got to wind this down. So here we are looking at the will of God. It is the good will of God. The word good means it benefits. The acceptable will of God means it is well-pleasing. The word acceptable also is in verse number one. The acceptable of God is the, the, the being holy and, and sacrificial, etc. That's well-pleasing to God. And then perfect means complete, of full age. It is the growth of the mental character. It is to be Christ-like. That's where we're heading to. That's the will of God. You see, how, you say, how do I get to that point? He says in verse number 2, middle of it, that you may prove or bring to a test what is that good. How is it done? By transforming the mind that you begin to change your mind to think like Christ does. The only way you can get that to happen is to look at the Word of God because he says in 1 Corinthians 2, and we have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It is a choice, Christians, that we make. It is a choice that we choose to lay down our own life as Christ did. It is a choice for you and I to yield our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ so He begins to do the changing inside of us instead of us resisting Him. And it is a slow, methodical change. I hope this year I am closer to Christ than I was last year. If not, then I'm not growing. And that God's will now 
if we are going to test, bring to a proof, what is God's will, good, acceptable, perfect will, what we do is we change the mind, think the way Christ does, get into His Word, and then we can test, prove, if what I am doing lines up with Christ. But if I say, what do you think? I don't know, what do you think? What do you think I had to do? What do you think I had to do? And all of a sudden, they don't give you any Bible verses. Have they helped you? I had one guy, afterward, he wished he would have called me. He, got, he went into business with a lost guy, lost everything. If he had sat down and asked me, what should you do? I would have said, are you nuts? You're going to go into business with a lost guy? You're going to contradict the Scriptures? Uh, you're not, don't do it, man. Don't do it one bit. Not, don't even serve there if you think he's going to try to lure you into joining with him. Stay away from it. And I would have saved him tens of thousands of dollars. You, know, you, know, you, know, you lined up with the Scriptures. You know, the Scriptures will never do you wrong. It will always help you, getting you in the, into the, to the right direction. Folks, if this would a, have been an interdenominational church, I would not be your pastor. If this were part of the World Council of Churches, I wouldn't be here. Because there will be a compromise of what I believe that God tells us in His Word. Now, folks, there are churches out there I don't agree with. They have all kinds of wacky beliefs about their God that doesn't line up with the Scriptures. And guess what? I choose the Scriptures. And I still believe that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It works inside, and it transforms, and it begins to change. And then as I line that up with the Word of God, my mind lines up, what is going on, and test it with the Word of God, I am going to be able to say, I know what the good, acceptable, and perfect will is for me. So young girl, you say, but this guy is so dreamy, he's so handsome, and I know God wants me to marry him. If he's lost, you're wrong. Doesn't matter how tall, dark, and handsome he is. He may be short in faith. He may darken sin. He may be ugly inside. A lot of girls marry these tall, dark, and handsome, and afterward they are in misery because they didn't do it God's way. You know, set your affection on things above. Just think about what God wants, and it's going to change everything. And then you can stop and say, even though I may not, humanly speaking, understand it, it may be a thing where you say, boy, this doesn't experientially feel necessarily the best. The cross wasn't convenient, folks. But it was God's will. The sufferings that Christ went through was not simple. But it was God's will. And Peter talks about if it's God's will that we suffer for well-doing, it's okay, man. Because God's going to be glorified in and through it all. God's will. What He looks like. This transformation, slow transformation, folks, is what we have to do as Christians. If you're not saved, you're not born again. We talked about at the beginning of the service, you need to get saved. This is where it all starts. You say, I'm, I'm scared. This is, this is also brand new to me. Listen to me. There is not one person who is a Christian in here, not one, that would look at you and say, I regret becoming a Christian. 
Not one. So if you say, well, I don't understand it all. Neither did I when I got saved. I mean, I had to slowly grow and understand what all, what all is this Christianity all about. And it took years, and I'm still learning about it. But there's no way I would look that time when I was 19 years old and say, you know what, I choose not to be saved. There's no way I would ever, ever, ever even imagine or think that. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. God wants you new. New birth, new mind, new man. 